0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. There were some present at the very time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish, Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser Look, For three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. This is a sermon about the patience of God and about the schemes of the devil. The story of the Bible is the story of God's patience tested and found to be beyond comprehension. He is patient beyond reason. He suffers longer than you and I could imagine. He suffers Israel's unfaithfulness as they worship other gods. He suffers false reproach among the nations as his people disgrace his name. He suffers ridicule and scorn and even death in the flesh and blood of Jesus. All that he does patiently, waiting for his people to repent. That's who he is. When God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and passed by, not showing him his glory but his backside, God proclaimed his name, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That God is merciful and gracious, that he is slow to anger, that is our only hope. If it were not so, If God were not so patient, if He had brought justice and an end to unrighteousness at once, the story would have finished with Adam and Eve. Instead, He is long suffering and He waits. There are times when God's patience wears thin, when He breaks out against wickedness, as in the flood or in Sodom and Gomorrah, or when he kills the firstborn in Egypt, or when he instructs Israel to wipe out the Canaanites. But that should not surprise us, for God himself threatens disaster against those who break his commands. The surprise is not that it happens, but that it doesn't happen more often, that it does not happen to us. That is the surprise of God's patience. But this is not just a sermon about God's patience. It is also a sermon about the schemes of the devil. It is not hard to imagine how the devil can use God's patience against us. But first you should know this about the devil. He doesn't just come after you with random, general temptations, hoping to find something that might strike your fancy. His temptations are custom for you. A friend of mine once put it this way. He said, The temptations of the devil are like a tailored suit. They're comfortable, they look good, and they make you feel like a million bucks. St. Peter says that the devil is like a prowling, roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's an important image because it shows us just how fierce the devil is. But Jesus also says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies crafty and subtle today, just as he was in the garden. And so he does not look like a lion. He does not look like an enemy, but rather a friend, even an angel of light. And so the devil schemes, using against us even such hopeful things as God's patience. He puts it like this. Yes, God has threatened to punish those who break his commands. But really, when was the last time you saw someone struck by divine lightning? Those stories in the Old Testament, they're just a scare tactic. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid of him. Yes, it's a sin, but God is patient. And he forgives sin. There's going to be no disaster. It's a hollow threat from an older time, when God was harsher than he is now. That's all the same lie that the devil told in the garden. You will not surely die. This fruit is good to eat now, and your eyes will be opened now. Don't worry about what might happen one day. Enjoy this now. With a custom temptation in hand and God's patience in view, the devil tries to get you to start building a tower of sin, one brick at a time. You might be nervous at first as you lay the first bricks, but then he shows you that your tower hasn't toppled. And so you carry on and you grow more comfortable, pretty confident that you can add brick after brick after brick of sin and all will be well. The devil wants you to build that tower, looking only at the brick in hand and not seeing how the tower leaves and buckles even under its own weight. The devil pretends to be offering you delight, but what he's really after is your demise. He knows that one day that tower will fall, like the tower in Siloam fell on those 18 hapless souls, and it will crush you. The devil knows that one day, as with the owner of the vineyard, God's patience will end, and the unfruitful tree will be cut down. The owner of the vineyard had already waited three years, longer than he should have, but there was no fruit, and so he's done waiting. The vine dresser mercifully intercedes, and the owner agrees to wait even longer. As the vine dresser takes it upon himself to bring forth fruit from the tree, the owner of the vineyard is patient and long-suffering beyond all reason. But then, at the end of that year, an unfruitful tree will be cut down. The devil takes God's mercy and urges you to presume upon it, to keep your eyes on your feet and the clean path beneath them, not looking ahead to the cliff that you're approaching. The devil knows that there's a day coming when God's patience will end, and he'd like you to come to that day quite unprepared. Not having heard that although he is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, he also will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God's patience is for repentance, for turning to him to live. Now, like the devil, St. Paul also knows that there's a day coming when God's patience will end. But he wants you to be prepared, to realize that there is danger. He feels the danger himself. Just before our text, Paul writes about his concern that, after having preached to others, he himself might be disqualified. Learn from the example of Israel, he says. Look, the people of God the ones who were rescued through the Red Sea, led by Moses, protected by the cloud, fed and given to drink by Christ himself in the wilderness. Even they fell to temptation. Moses was on the mountain for a mere 40 days, and they abandoned God to worship a golden calf. Having received life and salvation from God, they grumbled against him in their thirst and stirred up rebellion, and God's patience wore thin, and he brought disaster upon them. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. For there is a disaster that comes to sinners worse than a falling tower, worse than being murdered by Pilate while offering sacrifices. There is a disaster worse than tragedy and bodily death. That disaster is complacency, security, being comfortable with our sins, and ignoring the threats of God's law. The disaster that befalls many is that having given into the temptation of the devil, one day they just don't care anymore. Take heed lest you fall, says Paul. All of this is to warn you of the danger, which sounds morose and pessimistic, I know. But I want you to see that it is in fact... The very best news, because with this warning of danger comes the promise of escape. With every temptation, God provides a way out, a custom escape to match the devil's custom temptation. What does that look like? The very next verse after our epistle lesson begins like this Therefore, my beloved, flee. Flee from sin. Flee from temptation. A way of escape does you no good if you're not interested in escape. So when you encounter temptation, do an about face. Flee from sin like you'd flee from a falling tower, like you'd flee from a prowling lion. But don't flee to just anywhere. Flee to God's Word, to prayer, to His holy sacrament. Flee to your pastors. Flee to your Christian family and friends, who will not try to make it seem like temptation is no big deal, but who will encourage you and pray for you and speak God's word to you. Flee to Christ himself, who was himself tempted in every respect, just as we are, and who knows how to endure. Listen to his voice, and not the voice of that liar and murderer, the devil. Listen to the voice of Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. You know his voice. His is the voice that urges you to come to him, all you who labor and are heavy laden with temptation. His is the voice that urges you to eat and to drink his body and blood for the forgiveness of all of your sins, for strength and for salvation. His is the voice that calls you to repent and promises that through faith in him, And by his perfect sacrifice, you will not perish, but have eternal life. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. (laughs)